Okay, so let's go to God in prayer and uh, ask God to help us to understand His Word. Okay, dear Father, as we come before you today, we really want to thank you for the message of Romans, which has been so encouraging over the last few weeks. And we pray that uh, as we look at your Word again, uh, that truly you'll fill us with great joy and uh, thanksgiving. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, uh, have you ever asked yourself the question, uh, who am I? Right, who am I? Now, it's a question of identity, and I think identity is very important. Right? So how do we see ourselves? Uh, right? Do we see ourselves as you know, men or women, uh, sons or daughters? Do we see ourselves as students or executives? You know, what is our identity? Is that all there is to us? Is that the sum total of our identity? Okay, so I've got lots of pictures to keep you awake. So it's okay. So you know, who, am, who am I, right? Now, <clears throat> after all we've been studying in the book of Romans, uh, what is that impact? on our idea of identity. What does it mean uh, since we've been following uh, the book of Romans that uh, Jesus actually died for us? Does that affect us in our identity? What does that mean for us in our identity? And what does it mean uh, that we actually have appropriated and benefited from the death of Jesus? Right? What does it now mean for us now that we've actually become Christians? Right? Okay. So what does it mean now for all of us? Well, I think today... As we look at chapter 6, it deals with this idea of who we are. Okay, So it begins in verse 1 by asking the question, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now obviously, we never begin a conversation, right? Uh, going up to some friend or stranger says, Hey, so shall we, what shall we say now, right? Because you don't uh, talk like that. Um, usually when you say, hey, what should we say now? It's always to draw a conclusion, right? To draw uh, some logical connection and link back to what was said before. So when chapter 6 verse 1 says, what should we say then? It's actually trying to draw a conclusion or logical connection with what we learned last week, which is just the last two verses of last week, uh, which is chapter 5 verse 20 to 21, okay? which is up here. See how I make life so easy for you guys. So last week, it ended by saying, the law was added so that the trespass or like the sin might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's made a very strong point there. And I remember last week, uh, why I was saying, you know, every time we sin, grace increases more. You know, we sin, grace increases more. So you remember why saying that? So the, the, the one conclusion that can be drawn from that is that, hey, why don't we sin, keep sinning more? Because every time we sin more, grace will cover that sin, right? Okay, because obviously that's what it's saying, right? Every time sin increase, grace increase all the more. So does that mean that we are free to sin more and more because grace will keep covering over our sin. And also the second thing, which I think is sort of in the background to all of this, especially for the Jews, is, is that if the law was not able to hold back sin, right? So you know the law holds back sin. Then then if you take away the law and you're under grace, then, then what happens then? It's like imagine tomorrow there are no traffic rules, right? There's no speeding limit. There's no red light laws. So what happens? Everybody will just drive like maniacs, right? And, and there'll be lots of accidents. So so what the question is really asking is that, do we keep sinning because grace keeps covering us? And if, if the law is not effective 
and holding back our trespasses and sins, then what holds us back from sinning? Well, he says, Paul says in verse 2, uh, by no means, right, okay, I think by no means is kind of like very weak. Lah. It, it literally is absolutely, definitely not, right? Uh, we, we definitely cannot draw that conclusion that we should keep sinning more so that grace will increase. That's just the wrong thing to think, right? absolutely the wrong conclusion. And the reason is, because he says, and this is the key to understanding everything, right, is we are those, right, who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Okay, I prefer the, the old version, which is up there, okay? We die to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? Uh, which is just the same way of saying it, but it's a lot sharper, right? And <clears throat> if we understand this verse or this sentence, we understand all everything that comes along after it. So by no means do we keep sinning because we have died to sin. And if we have died to sin, that means we no longer live in it. But how does that work out? Because, hey, we're not dead, right? I mean, we're still alive here. We're still talking. We're still drinking. We're still, you know, eating uh, sour, uh, uh, no chewy things. So what does it mean that we've died to sin? How we died, in a sense? Well, it goes on to tell us that we've actually died to sin because it says that those, don't you know that all those who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Now, this verse here is not trying to start an argument about baptism, right? You know, like sprinkling of water, you know, full immersion in the ocean or the swimming pool, or whether someone pours a bottle of water or, you know, or, or a vase of water over you. But what he's really saying is, in the first century, everybody who was a Christian, every Christian person, was a baptized Christian, right? It was synonymous, lah. If you're a Christian, you're baptized, right? There's no such thing as unbaptized Christian, because in those days, as the moment you accepted Christ, they would baptize you, right? It's not no such thing as like baptism class sort of thing, okay? But what his point here, if you read very carefully, and this is why we need to pay attention, is that the moment that we were baptized into Jesus Christ, that means the moment you believed in Jesus Christ, you not only were baptized into Jesus Christ, but you were baptized into his death. And not only were you baptized into his death, it says there in the next verse, you were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you are sort of raised from the dead as well, right? Okay? So I'm going to show you that. So what he's saying is that there is a real spiritual union between ourselves and Jesus Christ when we believe in Jesus. There's a real spiritual union, there's a real spiritual incorporation when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. What Jesus experienced, we experience in a spiritual way. We, we die with Jesus, we were buried with Jesus, and we are raised to dead with Jesus. Right. So it says very clearly in verse 5, you can't get away from it. We were... Therefore, bear it with him through baptism into death. Right? So the baptism, the belief, shows us that we are actually spiritually incorporated into Jesus Christ. And because we were spiritually incorporated and united with Jesus in this way, it tells us 
that we have died to sin. We have died to sin. We have died to the power of sin. Because when Jesus died on the cross, sin was defeated. And we, together with Jesus, have died to sin because sin was defeated and has no longer got a hold on us. Now this is a very, a, a very, very important thing that you need to understand. When Jesus died on the cross, he brought us justification, right? Which we learned last few weeks. That means we are right with God. But the power of the cross is not just to make us justified with, with God, you know, in the legal sense. But there's a transformative power because the cross actually sets us free from the power of sin in our life today. That's what it means to die to sin. To die to the power of sin. Right? Because we are united with Jesus. When he died on the cross, and we died with him in the spiritual way, sin has been defeated. So look with me back to the previous verse. Right? Remember chapter 5? Right? It said, uh, where the law was added so that trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Okay? So what it's actually saying here was that in the past, <coughs> right? Hey, so is this the right one? Sorry, um, this one. Sin reigned so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign. Alright? Pay attention to those words. Because in the past, sin reigned. Reign is like a, a king who has rulership. Okay, so, um, you know, I, I can't think of, because we don't have really kings anymore, but it's like, the king has power over us. He has dominion over us. His reign over us. So in the past, sin reigned over us. Right? It, it like had power over us. Sin was like a, a king, a monarchy. But then look at what it says there. It says that through the righteousness of Jesus, grace actually now reigns over us. That means sin is no longer the king, right? It's been deposed and grace instead rules over us. So when it says we have died to sin, it literally means that sin no longer has power over us, but instead grace has power over us. Now, I know this is a very a difficult idea to grapple with, but think in terms of master. Okay, what is your master? Who is your master? So I remember, ever since I was young, okay, I, I always had dogs. And my sister used to work in the SPCA, so she always used to look after stray dogs, and she used to bring stray dogs to our house. So I remember the last stray dog we had, okay, it was this one. Okay? Now you can see how, how happy he, he is, right? Okay. Now he wasn't a very happy dog when we first got him, but he was actually a, a very nervous and stressed and jumpy dog. Because a lot of the dogs that are in the pound have uh, very bad and, and vicious masters. Maybe, you know, the, the, they'll cane the dog very much or they kick the dog or they don't feed the dog enough. So I remember when we first got this dog, he was scared of everything. He was always scared, scared of walking on the grass, right? Scared that we would beat him. Always, you know, cowering away in the corner. But what was the reality? See, the reality was he was no longer under the reign or the power of the old bad master, right? Okay, the bad master 
Don't know where he or she had gone away, right? But now, he was under the power and the reign of the good master, me, okay? So he didn't have to be scared any longer, but but he was still living with the fear of the old master, even though he'd come under the reign of the new, the new place, right? And I think this is the point that the Bible is trying to make here. So, So, so read very carefully, right? It says, okay, because by no means do we now sin more because we have died to sin. Uh, we have died to sin because we are spiritually united with Jesus. We've died on the cross of Him, we're buried with Him, and we're risen to new life. And sin no longer has power over us. And that is why it says that we live in it. No longer, we no longer live in sin. Okay, because sin is no longer, we're no longer in the realm of sin. We're no longer within the dominion or the tyranny of sin. And therefore, because we have this new, you see, we've moved from the tyranny of sin and dominion of sin into the tyranny, or not tyranny, but into the dominion, right, of grace, then we no longer live under the old management, right? But under the new management, we no longer live in fear of sin and obedience to sin. Now, this is very important because it says there in verse 4, right? <clears throat> that therefore, since we've been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So just as Jesus was raised from the dead, it talks about how we were spiritually raised to new life so that we would not live the old life under sin anymore. Okay? So if you think about it pictorially, this, it works like this, right? So through the cross, we always think of the cross just giving us forgiveness and, and eternal life and salvation, right? But what it's actually saying is that now we live a new life through the cross, through the, through the spiritual union of the resurrection of Jesus into Right, a new life under grace, in grace, and under the, the rule of grace. Now, in verse 5 to 7, it, it picks up on the same topic and expands it a bit more, isn't it? So in verse 5 it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, like his, right? So we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in the resurrection, in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now what does it mean when it says, um, in verse 5, for we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, what it's really saying is that we, we have a spiritual unity, right, with the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Therefore, we, we will be able to look forward to the fulfillment that when Jesus comes, we will certainly have the fulfillment of the full benefits of resurrection when Jesus comes. Now, I know that this is kind of a bit hard to understand, right? Because it's like the idea of now 
but not yet. But in a very real way, we have a spiritual unity with Jesus, and we have been uh, raised with him in a spiritual way. But obviously we're not, right? I mean, we're still here. I mean, we still got our old bodies and everything else. But then in verse 5, it looks forward to the future, right? We will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So the spiritual unity we have today sort of like guarantees us the fulfillment of the physical resurrection when he comes again. And what it means is that that today, because we have this unity with him, our old self has been crucified with him. And the body of sin, the body that was ruled by sin, has been done away with, so that you're no longer slaves to sin, but have been set free from sin. So when you think of going to the cross, right? Okay? What, what actually is crucified when we, when we die spiritually with Jesus Christ? See, we don't actually die, I mean we're physically still here, but what has been crucified, as you look at this passage, is, um, okay, I only could get this small picture, is, is our, our old self. Okay, so last week, remember our old self, which was actually, uh, in Adam. Our old self with his evil desires, our old self dominated by sin, um, our old self, this is the self that was crucified on the cross with Jesus Christ. And this body of sin has been, uh, done away with, or literally, um, uh, annihilated, or if you look at your, your Bible, there's a, there's a footnote, it's been rendered powerless, right? It's like totally, uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Denied all power over us. Because on the cross, the power that sin had over us has completely been broken free. Okay, so that's why it says we're no longer slaves to sin. So the question is, why would you want to go back to sin? If the power of sin is broken in your life. So I remember watching this movie, right? Uh, 12 Years a Slave. If you're, they won some Academy Awards. But really, it was a really boring movie. Though. Okay, it was really boring. I have to tell you, it was a really boring movie. But the whole movie, uh, like this uh, movie poster shows, was this guy, this black guy, trying to be set free from sin. So he runs from one owner. Oh, slave. Sorry, sorry, sin. No, okay, slavery, slavery, slavery. So, if you watch the movie, he like tries to run away, then he gets sold to someone else, and he tries to run away, then he tries to, you know, so he's always running to get free from sin, because, you know, sorry, from slavery, because, you know, he's chained up and everything, right, okay? And I think that's sort of like us, isn't it? Because, you know, we are like constantly trying to break free from the power of sin, but we cannot break free from the power of sin, you know, it's like only through the power of Jesus on the cross, is the power of sin actually broken free and we're no longer slaves. And the idea is, if you've been freed from sin and you're no longer slaves to sin, then why do you want to go back under the mastery of sin? Why do you want to allow sin to have dominion over you? Because now it says that we have a new life, we have a new master under grace and under God. And that's what verse 8 to 11 is about. Because Verse 1 to 7 is all about dying, dying, dying. You've died to sin, you've died to sin, you've been set free to sin. But verse 8 to 11 <clears throat> is all about living. Alright, so in verse 8, 
Verse 8 it says, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now these are really powerful words, right? Because he's saying, look, now that you have been you know, raised to life, don't live life to sin, but be alive to God. Right? Be alive to God. Now, obviously, when you, when you look at these words, they're very deep, right? But what it's essentially saying is we know that we have mastery over sin because Jesus died and was raised to life and therefore the power of sin has been broken. See, sin sees its ultimate mastery in death. Right? So if you if you look back again, uh, okay, you need to that's why last week is very important. Right? Okay, we saw this already. See last week remember uh, the end, right? Sin reigned in death. But grace might reign through righteousness that brings eternal life through Jesus Christ. See, how do we know that the power of sin is defeated? Because death has been defeated. Because sin reigns and ultimately brings death. But grace, grace now reigns and brings righteousness through eternal life. See, that's why the resurrection of Jesus is so important, you see. Because the resurrection of Jesus shows us that the power of sin, which shows itself in death, has been defeated. And we know that in Jesus Christ, when you, we are, you and I are united in Jesus, incorporated in Jesus, we too have, have died to sin. Sin's power over us is dead and we no longer die. Because if you think about it, actually sin is a terrible master, right? Because all through life, we're sort of fighting against sin and we're trying to struggle against sin. But we can't break free of sin. And ultimately, sin has the last laugh because we die. Right? You know, you're like fighting as a slave to sin. You're trying to be like the guy running away, but you never run away from sin and ultimately you die. But Jesus comes and, and how great it is because through the cross of Jesus, God's grace triumphs over sin and death and brings us eternal life. And that's why it says here that we must be alive to God. Verse 11, right? Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, in Christ Jesus, we are resurrected people who can be alive to God, not dead to God. See, have you ever had a tyrant as a boss. Uh, have you ever had a tyrant or, or as a teacher? Okay. Some, you know, a tyrant is someone who bullies you, oppresses you, and torments you. You know, you can't wait to be free of this person. Well, that's what sin is like. You know, sin is always oppressing us, tormenting us, and bullying us. I remember when I was in boarding school in Australia, right? One of the most humiliating things is that some big guy sit on top of you 
And like, you know, he's so big and strong and he's poking you in your forehead and hitting you around. And you can't do anything about it, right? He's rubbing your face in the grass and the dirt. And, and there's nothing you can do, right? And sin is like that, right? Sin is sort of sitting on you, oppressing you, and you can't do anything about that. But then Jesus comes and he sets us free from sin. So why do you want to go back to the power of sin? You know, I, I, I remember, uh, I watched uh, Star Trek. You all watch Star Trek? I, I know some of you are very young, but you know, have you ever heard of Star Trek? <coughs> okay, Star Trek. Anyway, there's, uh, the most, uh, uh, um, I guess famous of the Star Trek series, uh, is, uh, the one against the, the, the this, uh, people called the Borg. The Borg, okay? So, the Borg, right? Are these, like, creatures which, are, uh, assimilate all the different creatures, like, they're like, Animal, biological, they'll just assimilate you. So the phrase that they always say is resistance is futile. Okay, it's, it's a very common thing. You must, you must, must understand all these things, right? Resistance is futile, okay? So like, you know, everywhere you go, it's like resistance is futile, okay? So, I mean, you can sort of see, you know, we have to come, resistance, okay? So, so, so the thing is, but under Jesus Christ, okay, we, 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 we have actually like, um, overcome sin. Uh, because sin, for sin, resistance was futile. We couldn't resist sin. Sin, law, the law couldn't stop us from sinning. Right? It said there right at the very beginning, if you remember, right, chapter 5, verse 20, 21, when the law came, sin just increased, trespass increased. Resistance is futile. But through Jesus Christ, right, the power of sin has been broken through the cross. When we are baptized in union with Jesus, we have died to sin. We do not live in sin anymore, in it anymore, but rather we are alive to God. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, uh, which master are we living under? Are we living under master sin? Or are we living under master grace? I mean, not disgrace, but you know, master grace, the real grace, right? Okay. Are we living for sin? Are we living for God? Are we living the resurrected life? Are we alive for God in Christ Jesus? Or are we living the old life, the body of sin? Because when I asked the, the question in the beginning, right, what is our identity? I think the most important identity we can ever have is our unity in Jesus Christ, right? Because it's through our spiritual unity in Jesus Christ, we know that the power of sin is defeated, the old flesh of sin in ourselves is crucified on the cross. We no longer live in the realm of sin, but rather we live the resurrected life in Jesus Christ. Now you may know that in your mind, but is it something that you know in your heart? Because like my pet dog, right? <clears throat> Many of us may still be living, like in the past, we are under a new master, but we still live as if we live under the old master. But actually what we have to realize is this wonderful news that actually sin no longer has any power over you. It doesn't mean that we never sin, right? Sin is still a reality in our life. But sin's, what you call, mastery and, 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 and reign over you is no longer a reality because that has been broken by grace and by Jesus Christ. So it's almost as if like sin is fighting this rear guard guerrilla action, right? You know, it's like it's been defeated, it's been routed, 
uh, it's already been crucified on the cross, but still we're fighting this battle. But it's a battle that sin cannot win because it's already been defeated by Jesus. So there are still elements in ourselves which are fighting and battling. And, you know, we will continue to struggle with. But, but the Bible actually tells us that its power has been broken. That, you know, uh, that grace has, 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 has already gained mastery. And therefore, it, we should not see it as, as having mastery over us in that way. So I hope that uh, as we look at this passage, as we move from the fact of the resurrection of forgiveness, we will see that as we live as Christians, we, we, we have a new identity. We do not live in sin, live under the power of sin, but rather we live under the power of God's grace. Can anybody have any questions? It's quite, quite a difficult passage, but I think it's a very, very important one to understand. Uh, because it really shows us who we really are as God's people.